I wanted to book you on this uh, show that I do. It's that basement show. There's no mic, no chairs, and unfortunately, this time around, I can't pay you, but there is a buffet. Cops retirement party. I got no room for you to stay in, but there's free drinks. You wouldn't mind uh, hiding out for about a half hour, 45 minutes until the uh, birthday girl gets there, would you? Wondering if you'd like to do comedy uh, on a boat. Not a very big boat, kind of just like a real boat. Really, it's just a canoe. Let me know if you want to do the gig. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Death by Comedy. This is Chris Walsh. I'm Gary Peterson. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, how you been, Gary? You been all right? Things are looking better. Uh, <laughs> California is less on fire today than it was yesterday. That's uh, true. Although I don't know how much you've been out there. I don't know if it's like the COVID. Like, I haven't been out there, but I'm noticing... Like a lot of houses are covered in spider webs, Gary. Like people mm-hmm. haven't, it's like fallen into disuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, people haven't cleaned the outside of their houses. Spider webs, I've seen giant spiders. I've also noticed, and I don't know if this is because of COVID, but a lot of lawns, like people are, they're, they're, they've like graveyards in their mm-hmm. lawns. Uh, I don't know if they're like COVID victims, but I'm noticing a lot of the people, there are a lot of the same names I'm seeing. Like I, I see this guy, Frank N. Stein. He's been buried more than once. Uh, and I don't know what's going on, Gary. I don't know if that's like, you know, if you just rate that guy as he's died once from COVID or he's died like 50 times. So maybe that accounts for some of the statistics, but I don't want to help Trump out. I, I can't tell... I'm in the suburbs right now, house sitting, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very hard law to get made. Maybe it should just be a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Is if you are an an elderly person defined as maybe over seventy five, okay, uh, you should not be able to decorate your lawn <laughs> for Halloween <laughs> because Why? it's it's hard to tell if if they are being festive or they're just uh a shut-in who's gone insane that will you know people will come up to the house there's an overgrown house on the street that i'm on i've seen that house you know what i'm talking about yeah it's like there's there's horrible it like looks very like haunted mansion just because of the structure and the total neglect it's the type of place that has no staircase but like a ladder going to the front door that's the type of like creepiness you're talking about it's a Grey Gardens-esque, like, yeah. could be a beautiful mansion, right. but uh, a maniac must lived in, live uh-huh. in there. And, and I've never seen, this is, uh, you know, Willy Wonka, uh, <laughs> nobody ever goes in, nobody <laughs> ever comes out. And it, it, I've walked the dogs at night and seen lights on, yeah, shadowy figure moving, uh-huh. so I know someone's yeah. there. I think he was a tinker. um yeah that's a is it like a home alone situation is the guy running like the train set with uh michael jordan on it to keep you away he's like oh no gary's out there oh i gotta run the train set (laughs) didn't did a part of you watching home alone ever want to see joe pesci just go you fucking piece of shit (laughs) yeah it's one of my favorite movies i just yeah i definitely want that i want joe pesci from another movie are you kid i'll fucking Rip your fucking head off. Fires um, a gun through the door. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts blasting through the mail slot. 
kills, blows Kevin's head off. Mm. And it's the tragic version of Home Alone. That's two years away from Goodfellas, folks. Yeah. Yeah. So. You fucking kid, you I'll fucking burn this fucking place to the ground. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> Gasoline outside. Uh, burn my I, hand on a doorknob. <laughs> um but I, yeah, I, that is a spooky. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I, I've said it before. I mean, there's it's hard to tell. Like, I think the creeps hide well at Halloween. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is just it's it's a holiday to keep them from really I don't think it's, it doesn't set a good precedent. You know, the kids get, the kids are going up to every door, mm-hmm. the creepier, the better. Me personally, I loved being in those situations. You know, kids would be like, yeah, I dare you. I'm like, you don't even need to. I'm already in there. I'm already, I'm already spying the pond full of glass this guy laid out so you can't jump out the second story window once you're trapped. You know, I already know what's going on with this guy. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I've always wanted to be in one of those situations where like the staircase turns into a slide. Uh, I just always imagine that it's going to be more HR puffin stuff and like less Texas chainsaw massacre, <laughs> or I guess I hope that, you know, but, uh, which brings us to one of my greatest fears and it, and it kind of rounds us off to our mm-hmm. guest, uh, John Brand Wagner, who's a musician as well as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I am terrified of music um whenever really? there's a situation yeah he's so he's a musician as well as a comedian got his start in comedy but he's in you know todd glass's uh backing band that's probably what he's most well known for and i just get terrified whenever i have to sing like i'll i've been nude in front of audiences you know like like big pretty big audiences like that's probably most people's worst fear is to be like naked in public for me it's singing uh, I have a real hard time with that. What about you, Gary? Have you ever done comedy and music or just music? Or have you ever mixed the two or what? Oh, yeah. I, I love if somebody, if there's a piano near the stage and it's like, I and somebody in the audience, I'm like, can anyone play piano? Mm-hmm. I just immediately, I just throw it to them. Yes. As background, especially if it's a weird, like there's half an audience and they're spread out over. Mm-hmm. You know, 300 seats and there's 15 people in there right. at 1130 on a Saturday night. Everyone's just waiting <laughs> sober up to drive <laughs> those moments where it's like, well, let's have a little bit more fun with music. Yeah, for sure. But I started uh, probably my my real like chosen performance background because uh, I was forced into tap dance as a child. I don't want to talk about that. OK, but Some, that's I, for another episode. That's for when we get Al Jolson. <laughs> He's he's on our DVD dates. Uh, <laughs> I but I way did, down the list. I, I wanted to play trumpet because uh, mm. my sister played trumpet. Okay. And uh, in fifth grade, I signed up, you know, for concert band. And you like, um, you know, I wouldn't say like I practiced trumpet. I definitely carried it to and from school once you, a week. You looked real cool. <sighs> Nobody looks cooler than the kid with a a suitcase the size of him, <laughs> and it was trumpet just, itself looks cool. The case, not so much. No, real bulky, black, right. uh, uh, leathery with white stitching, super heavy. Your arm goes numb carrying <laughs> it, and it's New England, so it's like the winter. <laughs> yeah, you don't need you don't even need to be weighed down by extra parcels Ugh, on your way to it, school. I wasn't very good, and I I I 
quote unquote, played it for two years and then found drums. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to read music. This is way better because I can hear it and figure it out. Yeah. And I remember actually being pretty decent at drums. I, I was in the mm-hmm. jazz band. I was in the concert band. Um, I got to play set on uh, Phil Collins' song for Disney's Tarzan. Oh, You'll be wow. my heart. Uh, and I took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had Sounds this like it. public school uh, a drum set. Did you did you play in public school at all? I didn't. I got, I really, when I was a child, like under five, I was, I may have been like three or something. Um, I really wanted a drum set because I loved Animal from the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And my parents got me actually like, which probably was expensive for them back in that, those days, the early 80s. They got me a drum kit that had Animal on it. It was like the Animal, official Animal drum set. And I remember they set it up on like Christmas night and it was like, you know, my grandparents were there and everyone was there and they were like, Oh, Christopher's going to give us a concert, you know? And I, uh, I played it like exactly like animal to the point where I put my uh, foot through the bass drum. Like he does it like the end of every Muppets episode. (laughs) And uh, that was the end of my musical career. It was like, yeah, that's it. We're not buying you another instrument. (laughs) <laughs> you destroyed the drums we got you on the day we got them for you. Oh, I I loved shitty drums because you could you could fucking like jump into them with right. your guitarist. Uh, the the public school uh, that I went to, uh, Weymouth Junior High School, didn't didn't have a drum kit. They had pieces of many uh, drums. Mm-hmm. So we <laughs> we started uh, this great. Uh, I think he's a music producer now or something. Peter Seminelli, his father was a professional drummer who just gigged with like a local band that played VFWs, but his father was an incredible drummer. Like he tried out for Blue Man Group and and they were like, do you really want to play with us? Like you're, you're pretty damn good. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I do. (laughs) And Peter and I Frankensteined a set together and made it like uh, like a heavy metal drum kit for a ninth grade concert band to play fucking <laughs> Phil Collins songs. That's great. It That's just, amazing. I, it was kind of some of the happier days of my yeah. life with, with non-comedy performing before oh. I knew comedy could be a thing. Right. And, and of course, I, we started a band, me and some friends started mm. a, a power trio uh, named awesome. Nimbus. After Nimbus, Nimbus, yeah, it was after okay. a cloud. Um, yes, I, I believe a Nimbus is uh, what an angel has. It's what you call the uh, the halo. Oh, really? It's a Nimbus. I guess I we should have been like a Christian rock band. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like a like a POD light. Um, <laughs> One of our covers. I know you covered POD. Oh shit! Yeah. I don't know if you're, you're catching this on the mic, but I got a neighbor next door who loves to sing. It's as though he heard us talking about music. Sing back at him, Chris. Maybe it'll show, bleed show in. Who's boss. Maybe it'll bleed in. You got nothing to be ashamed of. That's, yeah, I'll thank you. have you. like a barber shop quartet, and that is this is meant <laughs> as a compliment. Okay. You have that that same tone because I I think I have the same one where I'm like sweet Adeline, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's it's like you know it's like almost like a classic comedy voice, you know, like like people would 
when you were a kid, like, well, I'm, this is how I'm not going to date myself, but they would have those, um, you, you know, the answering machine tapes you could buy. And it would mm -hmm. be like, we have great, you know, classics where, you know, song parodies where you can leave a, you know, when they answer, when, when your answering machine answers the phone, it'll say, nobody's home. <laughs> nobody's home. Nobody. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's where I learned to sing from like an answering machine parody message. Do the message. Do, 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 do. Um, yeah, so I, what were you going to say, Gary? Well, you, you, you didn't play many instruments because you, you broke them, but your voice, your voice was an instrument, no? Yeah, I, uh, I, was, a, I was a bit of a maniac. I guess I would sing, um, but it wasn't, you know, you were talking about actual s sort of settings of music. Like I could never take it seriously. You know, we talked to John Brand Wagner about this in the ep, but it's like later on in a minute, you'll hear him talking about this, but there, musicians have this sort of, you know, not all of them, but a good deal of them have a lot of self import. And I could never really take myself that serious. You know, I, I always, if my singing was goofy, you know, my dancing was always goofy. It was always like to elicit a laugh. You know, and uh, I guess that brings me to, there was a guy in Boston when I got a little older and we'd go out and we'd, you know, drink and go bar hop and stuff. I think his name was Jackie Dalton. And uh, he would be playing in these bars. We would like show up, you know, on an off night, like a Sunday night, you'd go in for a couple of, drink, couple of drinks, you know, maybe it's after like a, an early game or something and you'd show up and he'd be in there and he'd put on this like fake Irish brogue and he'd sing like, you know, traditional Irish songs and probably some U2 and maybe a little bit of Dave Matthews. I don't know, but he's an acoustic guitar, but he's got his own amp and stuff. And somehow I ended up in like a mini feud with this guy over the course of like a, you know, a couple of years or something. I don't think he knew who I was, but I fucking hated him. Um, I think probably mostly because I was into hip hop or something at the time. I think it was all on me. Like he just had this like, you know, he was doing that thing where he was renting space in my head uh, free, you know, rent free. He was living in my head, I guess. But I would walk in and I'd be like, ah, oh, come on. Can we? And I'd tell my friends, you know, can we go anywhere else? I remember once I think I might have got kicked out of a bar because I went into like the other room and like took my clothes off and like did like a streak, you know, where I like walked past and I was like, <laughs> tucked my dick or something. I was like, fuck you, Jackie, you know, whatever, you know, and just tried to like. I don't know how that was fucking with him, but I just was like kind of stealing the spotlight a little bit and being like, you suck. You don't even sing you too good. And I've heard you sing this song 50 times. You suck, Jackie. And he would always like tear me down. He was like a funny dude. I think he was much funnier than I was probably at, you know, fake ID 18, 19. But I remember there was one time, I think it was the 4th of July. And uh, they have this outdoor bar on like a pier in Charlestown. Uh, the Warren Tavern, but it was the Tavern by the Water. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. You know, you got the whole skyline of Boston, you know, and, and everyone's out on this, like, nice wooden. You got all the, the shit, all the, like, little ships and, and, and boats pull up for the holiday. And there's, like, you know, probably, like, a 4th of July fireworks display somewhere or another. But everyone's just getting shit housed down at the, you know, it's, like, still daylight. And, you know, you're down at the sort of regatta bar kind of deal. And, um... He, he had to go, he's like, I gotta take a piss, you know, whatever he says. And he's like, can anyone here play, you know, play one song? And in the back of the crowd, I just raised my hand up. I was like, I can play. By the way, I'd never played a guitar in my life. My <laughs> friends were all like, 
well, she, what are you doing? You know? And I was like, I, I can play. I got this. And then just sort of like mouths open, like what the fuck? And I walked up and he hands me the guitar. He's like, he's like, yeah, be careful. You know? And he's like telling me, you know, whatever, how to be careful, whatever. He didn't really care that much, but I put the acoustic, I put the strap around me and, uh, and I just had, I had, I couldn't play a lick. And, uh, and so I just did the thing where I, I played a couple of notes and acted like I was tuning his guitar, but I just, I was, what I was essentially doing is making it so that it was out of tune. So I was turning the, you know, the little keys so it would be all fucked up when he came back from the bathroom. And then before I started to play the song, I played like one note and I went, you know what? And I just, I, I did like an intro from a U2 song that I knew. That was like a little, it's like, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're starting back. You know, I did like that. And then I was like, hang on a second. This is out of, this is out of tune. And then I would do like another intro. And I just like, I think by the time he came back, I probably broke one of his strings and like just handed him the guitar back. And like, <laughs> they're all like, what the fuck? And I think I had to like squirrel myself over by the bar. So he wouldn't be like, what the fuck did this guy just do to my guitar? You know? <laughs> Um, cause he had no clue who I was. I was a sleeper soldier mm. in the crowd to this musician I hated. Um, but that was pretty fun. That's great. Um, yeah, there's always, my brother and I used to call it the pause. It was like, you would act like you were new what you were doing and try and keep people's attention. And it was like, you were hitting pause cause people would just be standing there staring at you for as long as you could hold it for. So even if you didn't say anything, if you acted like you were doing something, mm -hmm. people would just be like, When's this guy gonna play? How's this gonna work? You know, how's it? And, we, and it would just be like, oh, that was a long pause. I was able to have... hold the crowd's attention for like three minutes and nothing happened. It's the best. Do you have, I'm one of my favorite musical things that always, I think I do like this on par with like, like really when comedy goes really bad uh -huh. in a way that like you're not a part of that you get to watch and, and kind of be like ah oh, this is great it's a train yeah. wreck seeing like a weird front man throw a fit yes. with like the buddy rich tapes where he's yelling yes. at his band uh -huh. my one of my uh, uh i have two that i love um i think number two on this list <clears throat> It's it's not such a nightmare, but it's just like Eddie Vedder is maybe a, had a couple of drinks. Yeah. And, and they're playing, I think it's on the live at the Gorge Pearl Jam set. Okay. And there's some trash that makes its way onto the stage and he picks it up and he, he just fills this role as a pompous rocker. Uh, uh, he goes, what's this? It says Cascade Land Conservancy. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it sounds great to me. What an asshole. <laughs> like, I used to you... like Eddie Vedder. Now I hate him. <laughs> I love him. I love no, him I'm still. No, I'm kidding. Of course but he's he, great. But it's just so fucking, of course you're yeah. going to double, like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to support it. Sure. <laughs> uh, the other one is Guns N' Roses in South America, maybe Brazil. Uh-huh. And uh most of the crowd is Spanish speaking. Uh so Axel has a translator to come up to yell at the audience oh, for throwing that's shit. Great. But he, her her tone 
does not match yeah. his anger. Yeah. And he's like, stop the fucking show. Stop it. Okay? Duff gets hit in the fucking head with a bottle. <laughs> he's hitting the fucking head with a bottle. Another fucking bottle comes to this stage, and we go bye-bye. And then it goes to the woman who's just like uh, – <laughs> she's like smiling. It's just very, there's no explanation. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I do not know what she's saying, but yeah, it's not yeah. coming off as. Oh, that's so. classic. So good. Yeah, yeah. You got any banter, banter stories? No, like? I don't, but I think we should plug your album. I want to banter. Mm. We got an album coming out. Uh, I think when this podcast comes out, it will have already been available for several days. If you don't have it, you need to get it right now. I'm talking about Gary Peterson's album, Yellow Belt Confidence. Available on deadandmellow.com. Yes. Uh, as most of you know, uh, uh, coronavirus has sidelined many comedians, including mm-hmm. myself. I literally cannot perform in person That's at all. Unfortunately um, correct. So, uh this is the only way I'm going to make any money this year. And I, I was not. checking out the website. I'm going to, I'm picking up the uh, download today. Uh, Cause Thank there's you. a download and a CD. I guess if you want to, if you're still driving, you know, a, a 2012 uh, Ford focus and you only have a CD <laughs> player, you know, like That's my right. girlfriend, uh, you might want the CD, mm-hmm. but you can get the download. You can put it on your, in your iTunes. You can burn the CD that way as well. I'm sure. Or get both. If you got, if you're rich, if you're if you've got twenty, what is it? It's ten dollars each. They're ten dollars each, which mm-hmm. there's, you know, unless you're, I'm not, I'm you know, I'm not going to cast any aspersions here, Gary, but I, I I'd like to think that our listeners have at least ten dollars on hand, or they can smash that piggy bank, go to a coin star, you know, <laughs> just a, a gift card or something like that. Come back, go to deadandmellow.com, and buy Gary's download, Yellow Belt Confidence. For ten smackers, thank you. Uh, ten really big clamps. Yeah, and then uh, uh, you know I'm going to give it a listen, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit next week. I want to I want to cover a little bit because uh, I want to hear it. I want to hear the material, and then I'm going to have some questions for you, Gary. Mm-hmm. Next week, um, you got it. But as of right now, I'm excited. I'm very excited. You, uh, it should be. Uh, it's going to be a blast to listen to. Yeah, I recorded it in 2015 at the uh, defunct, uh, no longer coming back, Great Scott, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic rock venue uh, slash comedy venue. Rob Crean put together the show with Carl Lavin. Um, Dan Gonzalez mixed it. It took a while to get it the way I wanted, and uh-huh. and then I, I was kind of touch and go about it, and then I, this all hit, and I was like, you know yeah. what, this... Let's let's do it right. So yeah. it's it's kind of a lost time. Good, I'm psyched. I'm psyched for you, Gary. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you, Chris. I'm psyched. Segue good. Good, I'm for glad. our guest today. He uh, is so funny. Um, his podcast, Songs About Hot Dogs, is hilarious, and he can be seen uh, uh, featured on the Todd Glass Show. Uh, he has a handle on all the things at john brand wagner please welcome our guest john brand wagner death by comedy death by comedy hey, hey. 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 Right. Thanks. Thanks. thank you thanks for joining us we really oh, thanks for having me and if i may say 
happy Amazon Prime Day to you all. Oh boy, <laughs> I was unaware. Celebrate. <laughs> uh 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 buying things uh that you save you're saving money i mean it's it's right. stupid not to buy them it's, right but i but i hope you also have fire insurance as they tend to explode uh <laughs> fairly easily no way have you seen any i know we're all kind of in the la area but there was like an amazon uh it looked like a grocery cart it was unmanned by a person. It was like a robot. Whoa. <laughs> it was just kind of rolling down the street. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to, there's going to be, if, if, if this spreads to every city, which city will have the most stomped bots around? <laughs> I, I think we actually have uh, proof of um, which would be the worst, and it's Philly. Uh, they had that robot that was like hitchhiking across the country, you know, you were standing <laughs> up a few years ago and Philly just totally destroyed that thing. Whoa, like, whoa. There was no contest. Like, I don't know what its destination was, but it did not make it through Philly. That's um, so funny. And I am, I, I suppose I should go on the record as being anti-robot. Mm. Um, I, I think they're going to take our jobs. I think they're dangerous. They're already teaching them. I mean, some of them already carry weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, how is this a good idea? You know, just doesn't John, seem. John, oh, I, 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 I'll screen this one. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I certainly uh, am no advocate for artificial intelligence. Uh, I do think that it's a, it's a slippery slope to um, just not really like being uh happy yeah gonna... <laughs> <laughs> although i do like the i do like the roomba i was just i was just looking at them on amazon you got one i i didn't because i bought a pair of headphones the night before oh all right well that's more fitting i think i've been buying stuff just to feel good lately i don't know if you've ever done <laughs> i'm this. with you i'm with you <laughs> i feel like i've made more quality of life purchases during the pandemic and uh, I really feel as though my life's improved. It might. It, it, <laughs> my pancake budget is unreal right now. <laughs> I'm putting, I used to put $0 a month in the pancakes. And now I have artisanal syrup. Oh, yeah. really? Uh, buckwheat uh, 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 mix <laughs> that I never use. Um, <laughs> And then I and then I want pancakes some more, and then I'm like, I think I'll just go down the street and get some, and I make somebody else make them for me. <laughs> so you bought all the ingredients that you would need to do it at home, and then you just went rogue on yourself. Yeah. You're a freelance pancake buyer. <laughs> exactly. I went down the sim similar route. It just yeah, I, I finally got my kitchen together, and every single night I just order Grubhub. It's like, what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna dirty all these new d dishes I got. No, thank you. <laughs> that is, I would think that that you know, I mean, I consider myself lucky to say, I mean, I've been working, but there are some dangers in terms of catching, you know, a, a, a potentially life-ending virus. But uh, so far, I've been able to avoid that, thankfully. But um, the dishes, like just doing the dishes, has to be a regular low point of the pandemic there's so many dishes to do it's a it's it's just too much like we've 
We've been cooking more. I should say my girlfriend has been cooking a ton more. I've been working more, so she's been picking up the slack. I usually like to cook. But uh, she's like a pancake, like what you want to, what you aspire to, Gary. She's mm -hmm. like a pioneer woman. Ooh. She's made, a, a, I think it's called a pankuchen, like a German pancake that gets, I'll have to send you guys pictures. It like blows up. It's, <laughs> it's delicious. It's beautiful and delicious. We've had like five different types of pancakes during this pandemic. I didn't even know there were so many. Part of the reason why I started dating her is because she would keep uh, pancakes in a Ziploc bag in her purse, <laughs> like a homeschooled kid. And, uh, and I was like, who are you? I, I think I love you. I do. I love you. Uh, can we get married today? And that was like the second week I knew her. This, this is a good transition. John, you've played as a musician and as a comedian uh, and as a comedic musician <laughs> on the road. Have you said yes to maybe a not so good gig because of the food or drink available? Oh, good question, Gary. Um, I mean, almost every single one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a... Uh... It's, I don't know if uh, for you non-live non, non uh, live entertainment people, uh, it's hard to make money on the road. So what are you gonna, mm -hmm. what you're gonna do is you're gonna get there and you're gonna, you're gonna order three things off the menu before mm -hmm. and after your show. Uh, <laughs> and that you you're done for the week. Take it home <laughs> to your little mini fridge, if you have one. That's, uh, that's a classic. Was there a period where you couldn't eat before sets, John? Or did you ever have like a period where you have like that that sort of squirrely stomach like we all did where uh, it was like, yeah, I was this guy eating soup before he performed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember that being like a huge I, when I first started comedy, listening to like Pete Holmes and stuff, he'd always mm -hmm. talk about like, oh, you never you never eat soup before a show, man. Yeah. It throws throws off your chakra or whatever. <laughs> so I was just that was always in my head for a while, and I definitely like yeah thought about it more more than I do now. Uh, I can't. I always I get the weird bladder thing. So no matter what, like when I get nervous, I gotta pee like yeah. a bunch before a show. So yeah. It doesn't really matter. No matter what, I'm going to be peeing before a show. It's a lot of pacing and, like, just getting geared up for the set or the whatever you're doing. You're just kind of like, let me see if I can stabilize this by getting rid of all the liquids in my body. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, yeah, you go all the way to the bathroom, do the deed, go back to your seat, and you're like, all right, I have to do it again. Yeah. I just killed, you know, five seconds. I got to kill another <laughs> two hours. <laughs> oh, is that what it is, man? Your body's just like. I can't handle you thinking so much. I'm just going to make you do something else. I think yeah. so. I get that way before I see movies. I'm like, I'm, I don't want to miss a second of this. I think too, there's something about performing for me where it's like, I know once I'm up there, I'm going to be locked in and I don't want to be thinking about anything else. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like trying to purge my body of like everything, you know? I think, yeah, that's a lot of it. I did uh, I do maybe have a fear. I did pee my pants in a karate class one time. Oh, really? What? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess. Uh, I guess we got to ask. What age was that at? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when I peed my pants. <laughs> All right. We're gonna have to share some soiling our pants stories because I got a. I got a number two on deck. Uh, so yeah. Sorry, uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I think I was eight, but yeah, I think that's maybe why I always have a fear of just pee in front mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was the first 
day of karate class like oh. during orientation i've never done a karate class super excited to actually learn yeah. some self-defense and i just i just in the excitement of it all drank like a big gulp of uh coca-cola <laughs> for you non non-midwesterners a big gulp is just an unhealthy amount of soda yeah uh, from a, a a quick trip and yeah just I thought it would be rude to like ruin the orientation. So I just sat there to the point where I couldn't hold it anymore. And just as I'm walking, just coming, to, coming out the shorts, I go to my mom first because I'm <laughs> like, I, I need to go. And yeah. she's like, what, why, why, what is happening? And I just booked it. So I take it you didn't yet have the gi? <laughs> you said shorts because that would be something. That's, uh, you got that all white gi on. Yeah, honestly, I was so bad at sports. I might have, should have been wearing a gi, but just came with uh, cut off jeans, anyways. Cause it's right. Like, well, they, they cover. They're, they're covering me. Good enough. They're t- they're tougher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look tougher in these jeans. Like, how how often are you really gonna be in a karate gi on the street, anyways? Uh, and how often are you really gonna be in cut off shorts? I'd say uh, cut my off answer for the first one is every day. <laughs> uh, I take my gi out for a stroll, you know, just to keep it in shape, mm-hmm. uh, challenging my neighbors. Um, people just get out of my way, probably because of COVID. <laughs> but I'm ready to go, Gary. Um, I, I had a pee pants story. Yeah, let's go. Let's hear it. Um, I had um, is that the pop warner or pee okay. football yeah um it, it's the type of football for uh parents that want their kids to get beaten but they want someone else to do it uh <laughs> it it just was a total beating i had so many bruises um and and why i got so beat up was i was a fat kid and they did it by weight mm-hmm. so uh i was i was in second grade but I was with like the the fifth graders, yeah. And then when then when I was in uh, uh, fifth grade, I was with the ninth graders. <laughs> and the difference between an eleven year old and you know somebody who's gone through puberty mm-hmm. and is in high school is astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> so I I just took a beating, and uh, you know there was never any bathrooms. We always just peed in the woods. And, uh, and we, we were like getting pizza on the way home and I had to pee, I had to pee, but I was just like, I'll wait till I get home. Cause I got my foot pads on. I can't, can't pee. And then I remember just like this defeat of getting out of my dad's Toyota truck, putting both my feet down and then just peeing in my pants, like not 30 feet from a bathroom, but it was just like, there was no more. There was no more strength mm-hmm. to be had. Yeah. <laughs> two hours a night, three days a week, and twice on Sundays sometimes. <laughs> and this peeing was like a, just a real low point of right. my football career. <laughs> you had had enough. You had just reached your limit. You were just like, all right. Hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess like there, you can only go up from there. Although it was probably preparing you for life. You just get your ass kicked twice a day sometimes, and then you piss yourself. Yeah. Um, for me, I was an adult. <laughs> uh, it was, <laughs> I remember I was on the phone with uh, 
our good friend, our good and funny friend, Renata mm-hmm. uh, Tutko. And uh, I, I, you know, classic move where I farted, came out, it came out uh, <laughs> more liquid than gas. <laughs> and I was mere feet from the bathroom. Um, and then I had a choice. I was on the phone with my friend. She didn't need to know about it. She couldn't smell it. I could have just dealt with it. I could have been like, Hey, can I call you right back? And I right away was just like fessed up to it. Like the altar boy in me was just like, you know what? Uh, I just shit my pants. And, (laughs) and then instead of just like handling it, we giggled for like, I, you know, I guess it's nice to share that with a friend, but sometimes maybe friends don't want to hear that right away. This was only a couple of years ago. That was the, it was also one of the very first questions my now uh, love of my life, Sabina, asked me on our first date. It was like her second question. She's like, when's the last time you shit your pants? That's a good, that's a good <laughs> And I was like, uh, yeah, that's easy. That, that was earlier today. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very honest, uh, you know, probably to a fault. Well, I love that about you, Chris. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, John. So do you end up on the road a lot? Are you in a lot of tough situations out there? Has your your career, I mean, you know, pre-pandemic, we'll say. I don't know if you're still working. I don't don't know if you're aware. I worked for Todd Glass, comedian Todd Glass. Yes. And in in doing so. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's okay, right? He's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's okay. Yeah. Um, he's the best. He he is a great guy, great comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, really gave me, I guess, my biggest break of my comedy career thus far was take. He's taken me, taken me on the road with him. That's awesome. Yes, yes, and um, and because of that, I've gotten to experience all sorts of uh, venues that I wouldn't been been able to experience. I've gotten to do like the Philly uh, Philly Helium, cool. uh, Denver Comedy Works. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there. That's a really nice club. Very nice club. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to get to is I've done a lot of shows. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> you've been you've bunch- been lucky to do them under circumstances that are ideal. Uh, as Todd has kind of done a little bit of the heavy lifting. Exactly right. So I, so I guess I kind of got to skip some of the classic like bad shows of like, oh, I was at a bar and um, this, that, and the other. There was a, a, a an example that I can't think of right now. <laughs> um, I guess, but so, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Have, no, we have had some. We've had we've had some bad shows, and because they're uh more i guess bigger risk better uh, bigger uh defeat or whatever um, yeah but yeah some of the shows we've had i don't i it's i guess it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me like i've tried to block it out oh no it, yeah <laughs> i was trying to remember like it every every second of it but i can definitely like feel my brain trying to like suppress it in some manner so the whole weekend was a blur, but this was the second time I went on the road with him. We went to Denver Comedy Works, and I guess at this point I should explain Todd Glass for anyone who doesn't know him. Um, he's he's a very funny guy. Um, a lot of his humor is derived from kind of 
I don't what's the best way to put it he he kind of <laughs> I love him but his uh, the way he gets an audience to laugh is kind of by bullying them like kind of being like <laughs> like what you're not you're not gonna laugh at my jokes I'm right here making jokes you, you, you dumbasses and it works it's insane like it it's it, yeah and it's a it's a very cool form of comedy that I really think that he's like developed just naturally over the years just by honestly not like going on stage without really like a solid set list it's just like extreme confidence he ha he really believes in himself he i mean he is a genius i mean he has these yeah. ideas and he can just it's almost like watching a great jazz musician mm -hmm. it yes. really kind of comes with you know maybe like a game plan and then he just kind of flies off the handle and you're like all right we don't know where this is going to go he's going to improvise he's going to do some jokes he's done before he might come off the top of his head with something fresh it's 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 refreshing to watch and it's a whirlwind. You're kind of caught up in the Todd Glass whirlwind and it's and it's always like this sort of like church. If and I may. when he like, when he, like, it's insane. He can read a room so well that like he nails every single like, like he knows what everyone's thinking. So he yeah. has like, not only does he do his like joke, he has like the follow-up punchline that's so exact about what everyone in the room is like thinking. So you're like, whoa, all right, this guy's, he's yeah. so in the moment. But what's funny about him is if you tried to like explain this to him, like why he's like so good, he can't really like, <laughs> he right. can't really grasp it. It's right. like, he's, it's just, he's just so in the moment um, is what I say that he, he can't even really get out of it to like yeah. analyze what he is doing, right. which, is great it's what why he's a genius but is a double-edged sword because it can lead to <laughs> uh, i think you kind of mentioned it in the episode i listened to anna um, right where you're talking about hecklers and you um you kind of take it personally i guess not really yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i've gotten over that a little bit but definitely right. in the past no I, you haven't no. <laughs> what the fuck, Gary? Um, I, uh, I would definitely like fly off the handle and just be like temperamental and just, you know, because as performers, we're, it's so raw sometimes. Like you're like, this is a piece of me. I've, I've, I've written this down. I've thought about it. I care about it. I'm trying to give you like what I think is good, you know? And, 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 and in that way, I guess like for Todd, he does this thing that's like, so amazing because he really is just putting his himself right out there you yes. know in like a big big way well he he's so good at well he's he, he's like this is the show i'm the show um i'm gonna do a whole bunch of shit but the only thing i'm not gonna do is like change my show based on like a few people in the crowd right like he's gonna get those people to be like no this is the show like i'm not gonna change what i'm doing for you right so there is this kind of like bluntness to him and the, what I was saying earlier where he takes it kind of personally sometimes mm -hmm. where he can, he's so good at reading the room, but the, the flip side of it, when he misses it, when he can't read a room, it's just like so bad. And I, <laughs> it, it happens, it happens very rarely, but one time yeah. was in Denver where uh, it was a Saturday or Friday like night, so it was a okay. really rowdy crowd that was coming in. Yeah, uh, they drink a lot. They get real yeah. wild after work on Friday nights. 
And Cinder, are you guys doing the band with this show? Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm Todd for like the last couple of years. We've been doing the show where it's if you ha if you haven't seen his Netflix special, it, that's a perfect example of just him with like uh, four or five people behind him, and we just kind of back him up. It's a it's a throwback to like Don Rickles or uh, Dangerfield. They used to have a band with him. He's really he's really inspired by those guys and really loved like what they're able to do with the band. And he really does like pick up where they left off by using the band how they did, but also using it as for bits. We can bail them out. We can hype up a bit. Um, we, can, we can take jokes like longer and different routes all together. It, it was a really cool show. Yeah. And it's kind of like jazz. Yeah, we get to riff off each other and follow each other's leads. Um, so that was the show we were doing. So I was, uh, and this is the second time I'm like doing a big club with him. It's like a crazy weekend for me. I'm, I, I still don't really know who Todd is as like a person. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is, he's a Hollywood legend. Right, this is right. so insane. I'm doing this. You're just psyched to be there. Yeah. We, we he got the penthouse, like the, the club <laughs> penthouse that was like upstairs from the, from the club. And it's wow. like, and it's, it's, it's this, this insane, like loft like thing. So it's mm -hmm. like, that felt really cool, <laughs> but that is really and, cool. Um, it was, it was Friday, Saturday night, rowdy crowd. Todd, Todd, Todd's polls could probably fill like half the room. So the other half was just like people who got free tickets. Right. And so they necessarily didn't come to see him. And people who don't come to see you, they expect like to see a mainstream comedian doing yes. jokes and stuff. So with all these different elements uh, coming together with like Todd kind of having ADD, not, not being able to really uh, change his act for what, what's going on in the room and everything. It, it quickly kind of like turns into a like yelling match between oh, wow. Todd and <laughs> Todd and the crowd to the point where they're, it's like out of a movie booing him like oh, no. and he's like yelling like he's just yelling at him <laughs> i'm sorry todd i love you but this was insane i have to yeah yeah that's <laughs> it sounds like a movie it was he he walked half the room <laughs> which to be fair yeah. half weren't even there for exactly yeah like, no, it just wasn't what... the rockies weren't playing that night or something you know they were yeah. like what do we do yeah. oh we go to a comedy show and that happens you know that two happens. For one drinks and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. It, it 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 felt so bad that i thought my comedy career was like over i was like all right well i can't i can't i can't he this is going to be the talk of the town forever right. i can't show my face anymore. They, they walk you guys out of the penthouse. <laughs> I uh, one one guy that that worked there was like who I we bonded when I first met there. Like first thing he comes up, he's like, "Hey, don't don't give up, man." I was I'm so sorry that oh, you boy. went through that. <laughs> yeah, I it love, was like yeah, it was really bad. Show, when a show is so fucking bad, mm -hmm. and members of the audience or the club come up with almost like apologists for it, mm -hmm. it's so one of my favorite things to hear the, <laughs> yeah. the things that come out of people's mouths where they're like you know you uh you you got something you just yeah. like they know yeah. you took a beating in front of everybody and it was right. horrifying so to take the sting out of it they're just trying to be like you you, you can do this 
Hey, I think you're funny. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is when they pull the like famous comedian out of their ass and they're like, you know, uh, there was a guy and he went up and he bombed and it was just the worst bomb. That man was, you know, like Kenny Youngman or whoever they pull out of their ass. They're like, that man was Dave Chappelle, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, he bombed once. Um, I just love when they have some inspiring story for you. You're like, I don't need that. I'm playing again tomorrow night here. Yeah. I'm going to be on two shows tomorrow night here, and then I'll get another chance on Sunday. And I, I've i definitely, like, felt the, like, pre-show jitters and, and nerves when you're at a low-stakes thing, when you're just mm. like, I just want to be good. Um, and I remember, John, I think this is the first time we met was at the Egamon Comedy Festival. Uh, Danny Lobel was putting on. It was it was a very indie based operation, and I think Todd and and you guys were kind of headlining the weekend of all these great comics that that did like backyard shows and bar shows in Los Angeles. It was really fun. But I remember getting to this guy's house and looking around and like seeing like oh it's outside strike one <laughs> i can hear chickens next door strike two um the neighbors seem to not want this to happen oh what? like <laughs> i remember walking through the neighborhood where i parked and just seeing a lot of like this side eye and uh and i was like i don't know if this is gonna be good and you you and i, I think like met over like pork sliders or something <laughs> And and you guys were up and and it was just fantastic. You guys were yeah. able to play live music, uh, uh, mixed with comedy in a in a very weird, almost uh, hostile environment to comedy arts, and uh, and and you guys had like this running bits. Like I, I love the bit where like Todd will mention something very nonchalantly, like. He's like, I like a Toyota Scion. I would drive a Toyota Scion. And then the whole band's like, oh, big man. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys come up with that? Like, do you have like stuff that bails you out of like a, a weird thing? We're like, you know, the show, it, it may not be going so good, but we've got these locked and loaded for us to bail us out of like, either like a dead spot or something didn't hit or whatever yeah actually between we between when you saw that at Eggman and more recently todd really actually did like the work of building this like whole set list of he has like a notebook and really actually uh, so we've been able to kind of have this mapped out set and in doing so it uh if things like go weird like we can like without really needing to speak to each other we can get back on track on this like set list and i think that just in that like kind of like oh my god these guys don't know what they're doing and then a split second later like oh they is it does appear like they do know what they're doing so maybe the stuff that they don't know that what they're doing is part of the whole part of the show yeah. and it's like they're, and then they're like oh, okay these guys are actually kind of smart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a really interesting show. I think it's I, uh, I I do equate it to like jazz or like jam bands where it's Todd's the front man. He's the guy we all kind of have to follow. But uh, 
we, we all can kind of like lay down this different type of rhythm or beat and uh, it change the show however and it's it's always in the better it's always it's a it's a fun show I actually we went on a we did a east coast tour we did a, like four cities and I recorded all of it and I edited it down to like an hour oh and that's so, great yeah I'm gonna release we're gonna release that and hopefully that really shows uh some like what why Todd is so funny yeah well it's like he's one of those guys that that I mean I think he's been around for a little while and and people don't even know that there have been bits and movies that have been taken from either he's sold them to people or they've I remember there was like a scene in Zoolander that I was like Todd Glass that was that was on that was in like a thing forever ago that he did you know it was like a sketch that he did and then it was in like all of a sudden things would be in movies and I'm like that's a that's a bit that he does that was a really cool like realization too and it's like oh Hollywood is just like that easy where you just come up with something and then someone sees it on the internet and it's gone uh, yeah exactly (laughs) but it's but it is a testament to him I mean I think it might have taken taken him a little while to get up to that level and sort of blow up but now you realize you can, it's nice that you can recognize the genius. And with you guys, he's able to like do something that even if it draws upon the sort of older, like the heyday of comedy where it's like, you know, any of those sort of like roast shows or anything with like a backing band, it it, it is fresh in that he's like doing something that nobody else is doing right now. And it's really fun and different and like, wild and I, I mean i think if 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 you're listening to this podcast you really should go out and check it out um and it's on you know on netflix like you mentioned and stuff like that but uh, i guess i'm curious to know just to go back briefly to the comedy works thing they're actually a room i think that's pretty good at policing hecklers normally i mean maybe the crowd was just too you know there was sort of a wave of people like zombies at that show but I'm just curious to know how it went the following night. Did you just walk in and just do like a regular show? And it was just kind of like, oh, let's forget all about that. Great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was so it was so uh, bad that he his, it was a it was a Saturday show. He had one oh. more on Sunday, and they they told him that he didn't need to come back for it. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. <That> is- <laughs> The nicest firing. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Have you been back to Comedy Works since then? Because that sounds like it was a couple of years ago. I have not. Uh, be like, it think... was the last show we did before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, I mean, they're a good room. I'd imagine they'd want to give you another shot out there. It. I. I'm sure. I mean. Yeah. Uh, it. It was sort of like. It is like the best club in almost all of Colorado. So yeah. for Todd to like kind of get it, it was like he might have had to like pull a string with like one of his right. real real big buddies to get it. I mean, it it was so bad. I I don't know. It might be like I bet by now. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's uh, it's interesting to hear that. I mean, I think because you know I'd imagine that some folks who listen to this are probably younger comics or whatever i mean if you know we have what like 10 listeners now gary um 13 oh 13 so like at least three of them probably have done or like newer at comedy but it is interesting to see that somebody even on that level can because i i mean i i've got a string of shows like that 
you know, like I remember doing, uh, we were in uh, West Palm Beach in Florida, my brother and I, and we were touring, we were driving all over the country. It was actually when we were moving out here to LA and uh, Kevin Nealon was supposed to be playing the West Palm Beach Improv on St. Patrick's Day. He didn't want to do St. Patrick's Day. Maybe he's much like myself. I don't like playing anywhere on St. Patrick's Day. I, I take a Valium and I sleep right through it. <laughs> and then I get a gig on the 18th. Um, but he, he was like, I don't want to do it. So we took the 17th and there was a small crowd. And I remember we walked like 12 dudes. It was like they were, it was like they were in a, they were a frat house, like, but, but like an alumni, alums, you know, they were like older guys who had been in a frat together. Like they all wore the same cologne. And, um, <laughs> I remember we did, we had a joke about like, it was like a gay joke, you know, where we talked about this kid in our town and it was, it was like kind of pro gay. It was like kind of pro just like dick sucking, you know, and, and the whole table all at once just like pushed their chairs back and made like a show. <laughs> What's this? You know, this, you're going to talk about gays in a not so bad light. Uh, we're, we're just sort of like <laughs> shuffled out of the room. And I was like, that was like, half the audience like there was no one there to begin with uh and then they blamed us for walking you know 12 people at once and then that was it and then i think i think they called the rest of the improvs because i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> think we played another improv but we were not at all near todd's level but it's it's interesting to hear that that can happen because uh, you know obviously this is a show it's almost like tailor-made for people who love comedy you're like oh there's music there's comedy it's like improvised you never know what you're gonna get it's like in the moment it's like everything i love about comedy and because a couple of assholes ruining it you know ruin it for everyone that can still go awry and it's it's just sort of i guess it's like a testament to how how like uh much where where we like sort of give ourselves over to the audience sometimes you know to like their whim no real question there but it's just fascinating to me i mean like in your defense the uh it, it, todd is a notorious comics comic yeah uh so in in with having that uh, uh ter territory it's unfortunate but like the mainstream of people just like don't get it yeah there is like this weird threshold that you have to pa pass over to actually be like Oh, I get what he's doing up there. For I'm, yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to actually like remember what it was, but there was yeah. like a time in my life where I didn't understand what like why he was funny. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, then you finally put these like there's just like that aha moment where you're like, yeah. oh, okay. And for me, I realized a lot of it is whenever he's kind of like yelling at you about something it's actually he's actually yelling at himself about it so whenever he's like whenever he's like oh i hate so and so people for doing such and such it's actually him being like i do this bad thing and i wish i could stop doing it <laughs> and and then when you realize that you're like oh this is hilarious yeah it's like yeah it's almost <laughs> like a it's almost like a movie i mean like a tv dad or something you're like this guy yeah. is there's never a time where he's not being funny like it's hard to it's hard to discern between like what's a bit and what's not a bit and then you realize you're like i think it's all a bit like i think everything's a bit and he's just this sort of living in this world but i would like to say that i i thought better i think what it comes down to is i thought better of denver 
You know, I really did. I mean, <laughs> as much as that, like, I, I think better of Denver. I expect right. more of them. Like, having played there, I've played that club. I've played a bunch of the different little spots around there. I got a lot of friends in Denver, probably more than any other city outside of Boston or L.A. Right, and I right. just think more of them. And to hear that, like you say that I'm, you know, I have this, he is a comedian's comedian, of course, but I think of Denver as a comedy town. They, it, they sort of get it a little bit better and you just expect them. Like, it's the type of thing where I would go, hey, Denver, you would love this guy. And then I'm disappointed when they fuck it up. Mm -hmm. You know? 100%. Like and West Palm Beach, I think very little of. <laughs> I don't know that I will ever go back there, even if Cranston, there were days. Cranston, Rhode West Island. Palm Beach. Na Nashua, New Hampshire. We love all our <laughs> listeners, but someday so we'll list them all. All every the places city, we love and hate. Every city has an off night. Mm -hmm. That's that's just going to happen. It's yeah. you can't blame the whole fucking city for Not Sheboygan. Uh <laughs> <laughs> John, you uh, you're a you're a double threat in uh uh not just because you're a a young handsome fella uh it's because you have musical background and comedy background and I was wondering like were you a a, a musician first this is a two part question or sort of like comedic uh, a pursuant person first. And then my second part is like, is there a, a musical gig like that you had early on uh, that you were like, oh, this this is why I'm steering towards comedy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great question. Oh my god, you guys are so good at interviewing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, Will you go on the record? <laughs> <laughs> I was a comedian first. I. I started at a place called Stanford and Sons, which actually that would be a great topic for this podcast. That's a cool name for a club. Great, great name for a club. Yeah, at, at one point, at one point it was like, sorry. Yeah. Stanford and Sons, like Sanford and Sons. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> well, it was a guy who was like named Stanford and he had some sons. And at one point it was like. <laughs> it's literal? Yeah, no, it was. I, I thought, I thought like, you were going to be like, I went club. to Stanford and they had this club <laughs> called Stanford and Sons. They were all good at math. I don't know. It was I, I, 70s or 80s. It was actually like a good club when Mr. Sanford was still alive. <laughs> but uh, at some point he passed away and his sons got it and they absolutely just ran it into the ground. They like moved it out. They moved it out to this weird like a strip mall in the middle of nowhere oh, uh, uh, and just they were notorious like drug doers and uh, <laughs> and like not paying not paying acts like I, I would uh, if anyone could ask like just kind of a well-established comedian if they worked at Stanford and Sons I'm sure their face would like be like oh yeah I've got some yeah. stories <laughs> uh, at, at the end of this Percocet. <laughs> and it's it's where I like started doing open mics and it was such a weird like we had to call in in the morning to get our names on a list for a five dollar open mic you go to the open mic before the mic would even start they would have like like an assembly with all the open micers like they would bring I love, us I love I love love this 
the assembly. <laughs> so what city was this in? I'm sorry, John. Where was Kansas this City. Kansas, Kansas City. City. And, uh, and just describe the club and then lay this assembly on us. What a typical assembly looks yes. like. All right. So the strip mall that I'm talking about, it, it's actually like one of these like the city was like, oh, let's go to the middle of nowhere and build one of these like mecca things with like yeah. big old movie theaters. It's like, what's what's Las Vegas look like in the middle of Kansas? <laughs> right. And so it's like this big like gaudy thing in the middle of nowhere, and it's up on the second floor next to a Dave and Buster's. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and you. <laughs> the proximity to, to Dave and Buster's to a shitty show is it's always. Great. The closer you get to a D and B's, more you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking eat it." Right, and I and I love the the concept of people winning tickets and maybe getting like a free ticket to the comedy oh, yeah, show. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. playing skin, ski ball and you get like fifty tickets, and they're like, "You want to go to the the, the open mic? <laughs> you, you can get one of these uh, paddle paddles with the ball on it with the with the elastic, or you can go see people bomb at eight. <laughs> okay um, so you show up it's on a monday the open mic yeah actually you nailed it it was a monday usually they're out for some reason they're always on yeah or something. and start the week off bad <laughs> <laughs> think about this until next monday <laughs> take that 50 mile hour drive back home from this oh, place oh boy and, that's yeah. that's a rough one <laughs> So you show up, you got to show up early, and then is it two brothers that are giving this, like, this, what is, what is it, this, this comedy speech there? The brother, you? the brothers are, they're backstage somewhere doing God knows what, the, uh -huh. they're probably, they're probably, they're never in on Mondays, Mondays okay. are open mic night, they're, they're, they're coming in Thursday through Sundays, um, so what they have their, like, head cronies are kind of, like, leading the minion. Okay. Uh, these just like kind of like the doorman or whatever yeah and it's it's so great back then like because i was like oh these guys are like my gatekeepers yeah but looking at them now <laughs> they're just like they're just like dmv employees at like a, yeah <laughs> at a comedy club yeah but they they would like they but they talked to us like gatekeepers they'd be like hey guys like this is like the best club around so this is like your only opportunity to really get noticed so in such you really owe us a lot um, <laughs> like that was really the theme of a lot of yeah. just like the, the be grateful the yeah exactly like yeah um yeah stop like hey if you really want to get work here on the weekends man you really bring your a game or whatever step up, yeah step up <laughs> But they weren't necessarily giving you any tips on how to be a better comedian. They were just like, oh, bring no. it. There was one time, uh, this one guy that, I guess I won't name him because yeah. we made fun of him a lot. But uh, uh, <laughs> there was one time he was like giving us advice on how to like, to know if we're a good comedian or not. Okay. And I am not even paraphrasing. This is what he said. He said, lock yourself in a hotel room do all the drugs you can. Like he like started naming off all the drugs. Uh, read a newspaper, and if you can't write twenty jokes, quit comedy. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did, you do yeah. Did you follow his advice? <laughs> yeah, I, I got twenty <laughs> jokes, dude. They're they're my twenty jokes I've been using. This that's, whole time. How, that's how you got good. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you? This is the reason why we started this podcast. Yeah. These speeches 
They are anything where the booker or the underling of the booker or the door guy who thinks he knows something who like that week showed up early and was like, can I talk to these kids? You know, whatever. And then like they go mm -hmm. in, like it is my, one of my absolute favorite awful parts of stand-up comedy. One of, one of the things was, I, I remember that there was a guy, unlike you, I'm not afraid to name names, but you know, I also, I don't know. I mean, like I'm, who gives a shit? You know, this guy yeah. was a fucking asshole to me. Um, in Boston, they had this really, the biggest club was, uh, you know, you'd have like the national headliners coming through and it was at Faneuil Hall, um, the Comedy Connection. And mm -hmm. it started in a little bar uh, down on Warrington Street. And it's like this sort of famous beginnings of Boston comedy. And it was like a little room. It was maybe like a hundred seater. And then they moved to Faneuil Hall above where like the fucking, you know, the, the Sons of Liberty used to meet. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> and it was like a 450, 500 seat room. And our open mic was on Mondays. 10-person bringer. What's that? 10-person bringer. 10-person <laughs> bringer. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. 10 people. Jesus. I don't know if I could even get 10 people together ever in my life. <laughs> like, I don't think... Not even for your birthday? No, I could like, you guys want to go bowling? I'd be like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. What? what are you, like, what? I couldn't come up with a reason to get 10 people together, you know? Like, bringer should be two people or, like, bring as many as you can. Get as many. We need an audience. Like, it should be like that. This was, like, let us fucking sell drinks, guy. Bring 10 people. Any of your worst enemies. If they're not your worst enemies before the show, they will be after, pal. <laughs> um so anyway so monday nights i'd have to go out there but it was like you know even when in boston because you know none of us ever went anywhere you would still sort of be beholden to that guy like even after you were you know the host on the weekend or whatever like you had to keep going to the connection and you'd mostly get spots on mondays because on the weekends it would just be like the three person you know people like todd would come through or like you know like dane cook used mm -hmm. to fucking pack that place for they would be like adding shows on the weekends and sometimes if you got lucky, you'd get to host. Like, I think like Gary Gullman or somebody was like, hey, I want the Walsh brothers, but we were still separate. So we let one of us host on Friday and one of us host on Saturday. But I remember they were, there was this instance where um, the, the, they were doing the Comedy Central laugh riots hmm. and I needed a, a tape. I needed like a V, this was back when you'd have to like send in a VHS tape. So I set my camera up at the back of the room. I was like one of the only people who would like regularly set up a, a, you know, a video camera and I'd end up making tapes for like everyone that night to like submit. So I'm setting up the camera and then this guy, his name is Joey Sanigan. I remember he would like blink a lot. He was like one of these guys who was like a gangster and a fucking B, you know, uh, like, like Donnie Brasco or something. He'd be like, yeah, what are you doing guy? And he'd talk real fast. He was like always on Coke. And uh, he, he walked up to me. He's like, he's like, what are you doing with the camera? And I'm just like, what the fuck business is it? And in my head, I'm like, what business is this of you? Like, can I tape? Is it all right to tape? But they said it's all right to tape. They told me it's all right to tape. I'm going to tape. I'm, I'm, so he walks up and I'm just like kind of nice. I'm, you know, because he's in charge. He fucking runs the place. And I'm just like, yeah, they're, Comedy Central is doing a, um, you know, like a thing, a contest. And I need a tape. Is it, you know, is it, and he's just like, he's like, oh, you, you think you're going to, uh, you know, you think you're going to get in this contest? You think you're going to win, you know, go on Comedy Central, whatever? And he's like, being shitty to me? Now, this is the back of the room where all the comics hang out. And I remember thinking, like, he was always giving me shit, I think, because I was probably a little bit younger or, I don't know, maybe I looked like a nice guy and he just wanted to shit on me in front of people. So he would always take, like, little shots at me. Mm -hmm. and, I, and as he walked away, I just had had enough. I was like, 
in my head, I was like, I don't care if I ever fucking play this place again. I'll, I'll never come back here. Like I was just like, turn around. And I was just like, I, w- I was like, uh, Hey Joey. And he turned and, and it was like the perfect timing. And I just went, go fuck yourself <laughs> in front of everybody. Like in front, I just immediately, I was like, Oh, I fucked up. It's in my, in my head. And then he just turned, he went, Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Go fuck myself. Go fuck myself, huh? Go fuck myself. And then he turned around. He just kept saying that. And he walked towards the kitchen. Ah. And the best part about this place was there was like a brick entryway. It was like a 10-foot sort of uh, rounded sort of doorway like you see in like a pizza parlor or something. And he went into the kitchen. And then he went around. And there was another door near where the stage was that came out. It was the same thing, like a big brick archway. And he walked through the kitchen. And he appeared in the doorway. And he was still going, go fuck myself. Go fuck myself, huh? Go fuck myself. So he had walked through the whole kitchen. It was like, you know, like 20 feet. And he came out the door and he put a cigarette in his mouth and he's just pointing at me across the room, just pointing at me. And all these comics, everyone's mouths are open. They're all agape. They're just like, what the fuck? I can't believe you just told the booker of the biggest club in New England to go fuck himself. And I'm like, I guess I should pack my shit and go. Like, I guess, but he let me do the set. He just stopped booking me on the weekends. Like he wouldn't let me host for anyone for a while. Until I like showed up at the club to like watch a show, and he's like, he's like, you got some set of balls, you know that? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, that, yeah, I know. And I wouldn't apologize to him, but I think he, in the long run, appreciated that I wasn't afraid of him. You know, it was like this fucking prison mentality. I love that. And then, if I may, I got to put a coda on this story. Colin Quinn was playing there. It was a weekend show. Colin Quinn was playing there, and in the middle of his set, these fucking big goomba fucking gorillas showed up at the club and they walked just busted in pushed past the door guys who were you know pretty big dudes and they just looked around they saw joey across the room and they went after him through the crowd chased him through the kitchen and then he (laughs) ran through the back into the office and the fucking gorillas showed up in there and started smacking him around he like owed money you could hear him screaming like a at the top oh of his lungs, he's like, ah, ah, and they're like smacking him, things just crashing. And Colin Quinn had to stop his set and be like, is everything all right? Is everything all right in there? And uh, and they had to like fucking like call the cops. Or say, don't call the cops. Don't, don't call the cops. You know, he's like, <laughs> it was like a whole thing where he owed all this money. And then he got fired and I got booked more. Yeah. So oh, my God. That I love that. Sometimes that's the way it happens in those little big clubs. I never, <laughs> I respect you for standing up to me. I love it. <laughs> I I have a question, John. You came from Kansas City, right? Yes. And you came out to LA uh, just with stars in your eyes. Uh, and I think the three of us have this in common: is we all uh, started fairly young as as comedic comedians. I was I was about fifteen. That's too young, Gary. That you're uh, a wonderkind. But I'm seventeen <laughs> now, and I'm getting it. Uh, it's it's. Uh, and you, you kind of look young. You're a youthful gentleman. You're not mm-hmm. uh, worn from comedy quite yet. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, did you ever get, you know, those, <laughs> it's one of my favorite, the big brother, like, that hor- it's usually a horrible comedian. It's usually somebody <laughs> yeah. so awful. And they'll, they'll be like, I'm going to take you into my wing, kid. Fucking <laughs> 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 way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was such an introvert that none of them actually had the chance to like bring bring me in in under their wing. 
but every single one of those guys would give me like the same conversation, which was like, Hey, you need to, what's it? You need to have more self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in yourself, you yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. No, and it's like, I do. I just hate you people. And I don't want to talk. <laughs> I just can't wait to get the fuck out of this jerkwater town. Exactly. Um, and to bring you back to a previous question you asked about my musicianship-ness, um, I started off as a comedian at Stanford and Sons, and then at I don't know at at, at I would say I probably want to be an entertainer more than I want to be an actual stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. But as an entertainer, I think it's super important to have like a sense of humor. So if yeah. you don't, you end up you end up like becoming unaware and like looking like a douchebag in front of people, mm-hmm. uh, which is I think. I don't, not every musician, but I think it's an easy trope yeah. for musicians to fall into where it's like, because they are like very they, introspective and whatever. They, they do have deep thoughts, but they're so artistic and aloof that they can't even, they, they take themselves so seriously that they don't even know what's funny or not. Yeah, it's so, like self-seriousness and pretentiousness. Exactly. So I think I, I was really happy that I took a lot, a big chunk of my time just honing some sort of comedic ability having a sense of humor and then at some point I did like I I picked up a little keyboard that I started taking on stage with me and just started messing around with like music stuff on stage uh I moved to Denver for a little bit uh which at that point I kind of I I there was like whenever you're starting to do comedy and you you pick up a musician or an instrument you always kind of are scared that you're hiding, you're kind of hiding behind the instrument. Right. You're never actually like, cause it is like really easy to like make a song about dicks and like get the crowd, <laughs> get the crowd going. It's a super easy form of comedy. If it, if it even is so. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I put down the music, uh, the instrument for a while just to like actually learn how to write jokes and stuff. And that was like, that was really important. That's cool. Yeah, and but more recent than anything, I started picking up the instrument again. Yeah, really, really inspired by, like you know, Flight of the Concords and mm-hmm. uh, and even like uh, bands like Ween and President mm-hmm. of the United States of America. Like, not necessarily funny. Like, they're not trying to be funny, but if you actually like know them, they're hilarious. Yeah, there's a lot of humor that go- that's like a thread through their music that they're not taking themselves so seriously that they lose touch with that part of it. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's really what I'm aiming for and just to like be on a stage entertaining people but in a funny way. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answered your question from earlier Gary. Yeah, sorry I stepped on it with a 15 minute long fucking story about my No, no, my I had mob to tell you. friends. No, <laughs> I had to tell you I had to tell you about Stanford's. So yeah. Uh, no, no, I was is that club uh, still there? Or I mean, you know, pre-pandemic, was it still around? No. So right I after I left uh Kansas City uh however many years ago, um they moved locations like two or three times. Mm-hmm. And at the last location there was like a shooting, Ooh. there was a prostitution ring going going like through there. It was <laughs> yeah. Then uh, both both they have they both passed away since they too. Uh, never quite figured out the comedy thing. <laughs> no, no, they 
one of them was an insane person. He he called himself the King of Sting, and the reason yeah, and the reason that he called himself the King of Sting was when he was a younger person, he would dress up as a cop and bust drug dealers, but just to take their shit and. He was, was a stick-up boy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he was like super proud of that. If you if you look Pick up, up if you look if you look up Craig Glazier on YouTube, he has some insane videos of him just telling stories from his like past. And he he he's so unaware of like how how much of a monster he's coming off as in these yeah. videos. It's so great. Check him out. <laughs> I'll go down the rabbit hole on that dead guy. John, we have uh, uh, a final question. Oh, please. One of our favorite things mm-hmm. to ask our beloved guests. Uh, and once again, check out John Brand Wagner at John Brand Wagner on Instagram and the things and his podcast, uh, Songs About Hot Dogs. Very funny, very silly. Yes. Um, Thank you for joining us. Thank you John, for having me. I, I want to give you the opportunity, no pressure, uh, relax, be yourself. Um, we like to uh, do the intro of the show, uh, has many bookers on a phone offering the world's worst gig, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a real one. Uh, just, I want you to speak from the heart. We should become that booker, maybe, maybe channel one of the glaciers and <laughs> see what comes out. <laughs> want to give it a shot for us? Yes, please. I would love nothing more. Um, All right. Ring, 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 ring. (laughs) Hey, John, uh, this is uh, Ted down at Funny Hut. We uh, (laughs) we got a we got a opening this weekend. Uh, Our headliner was shot by one of the members of the Friday show. So. Come on, come on down if uh, if you want to get paid uh, in chicken fingers. We uh, <laughs> we we will we don't validate your parking, but we are walking distance of a strip club, so we'll <laughs> we'll go hang out there afterwards. And uh, you know, I mean, maybe you'll buy me some drinks. So yeah, call me back. Perfect. Well done. Well done. Perfect.